Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 16 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. On this episode, we have the pleasure of welcoming veteran comedian, poker commentator, and inventor of poker terminology, the captain of the catchphrase, Joe Stapleton. Joe has been a beloved and familiar face and voice to all of us in poker fandom for years, and he's always a pleasure to speak with. Today, we'll be talking a little bit about his career highlights on the stage, in the booth, and at the felt and in general, just getting to know him a little better. Joe, welcome to Cards Chat. Happy to see you and speak with you. Hey, Robbie, thank you for having me. Thank you for that glowing introduction. My God, I'm gonna have to play that at night so I can go to sleep, just drift off listening to Robbie blow smoke (laughs) directly in my for about 45 seconds. That was fantastic. Well, it's great. Well, the check arrived yesterday, so I'm happy (laughs) I could go with that one instead of the alternate. I sprung for the deluxe package. There you go. Exactly. So I'm really happy to see you. And and first, of course, I have to wish you a happy birthday, Joe. Uh, Thank you. You Uh, you know what? It's we're within (laughs) 60 days of my birthday, so I'm going to try not to get pissed off. It's (laughs) It's good. I'm hoping that those uh, in the know who've listened to Joe and James Hardigan over the years can understand that reference. But for those who don't, the first question I have to ask you, Joe, is do you prefer being referred to as a comedian or as a poker commentator? For example, if you meet someone random in the street, they say, hey, what do you do? What, what do you answer them? You know, this is, the answer to this question has fluctuated over the years uh, for a really long time. I wanted to be known as a comedian. First of all, I wanted to be known as a comedian when I had no right to be known as a comedian. I hadn't actually ever really done any comedy. Um, And then I wanted to be known as a comedian. It was kind of um, warranted, but really as of late, as of like the last couple of years, I've really grown to appreciate um, my role in the poker community and being known as a poker commentator and for a long time, I kind of would have rather been known as a smaller fish in a bigger pond. So i known as comedian, but unknown comedian. And now that I'm known as, now I'm a slightly bigger fish in a smaller pond, right? The poker pond is pretty small, but I'm one of the like more recognizable fish in that pond. Fish is actually kind of appropriate. I was thinking it's an interesting way to refer to myself poker-wise. Now that I know, that's entirely accurate. Yeah, so actually, I'm really grown to love the same way um, being known as Stapes. I didn't like the nickname Stapes for a long time. And then I was like, no, it's cool that you're known as something. It's cool that you're a character. And so at this point, I, I guess it's not really an answer. They're interchangeable. I'm happy to be known as comedian. I'm happy to be known... As the poker guy, I have been um, lately, I don't know if it's pandemic, I don't know what it is, but people have been so gracious and so complimentary and so seemingly, like I feel seen and heard um, by, by randoms. I never uh, assumed anybody was watching any of the things that I've done and more and more, not even just during the pandemic, but I'd say over the last 18 months, more and more, someone will go, oh, hey, I was talking to my uncle. He watches you on Poker Night in America. Oh, I was talking to, uh, I was in a cab in India and the cab driver 
knew who you were. Wow. Um, that kind of stuff has been happening. And so I'm very grateful. And, and, and I think it's cool that I've been allowed to, uh, to really carve out a, 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 a character for myself in the world of poker. That's fantastic. And certainly it's something that's been earned. It didn't happen by accident. You've been working on it diligently. And, and I'm happy to hear that uh, you've been getting that kind of awesome, positive feedback. My mom always says, she says, I knew it would take you 10 years to become an overnight sensation. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's like the inverse of the uh, takes uh, five minutes to learn lifetime to master kind of a thing. Right. <laughs> Norm's actually got a really good joke where he goes, uh, poker, uh, you know, they say chess, it takes five minutes to learn, but a lifetime to master a poker it takes five minutes to learn, but it takes 10 minutes to master. Yes. <laughs> familiar. Well, we'll certainly be mentioning uh, Norm McDonald a little bit later. I'm uh, sure. I've been riding his coattails. We got to get, we got to get those Norm mentions in. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, he sent the check too. So that's how that's how it works. Um, so about comedy, about poker, this is a poker podcast after all for the Cards Chat community. So we are going to start with the poker commentary side uh, of sure. questions. Of course, you had a ton of commentary gigs over the years. Is there any one of them that you could point to perhaps as your favorite or the one where you learned the most or had the best memories? Uh, I think if you don't mind me splitting my answers between um, continents. Okay. So in America, I've had very little TV time in America. Um, there was the big game, which was awesome. And I think in my opinion, quite biased opinion is the best poker show that's ever been, uh, created, produced, uh, cut short in its prime by black Friday, rest in peace, the big game. Uh, <laughs> but since then, right, that was 2010. Wow. After that, I went to Europe and I did the European poker tour, which I think is, is probably better than the big game, to be perfectly honest. And it's, it's kind of like the British office versus the American office. <laughs> like the big game was great, but it was brief and we don't really know what it would have been. The European poker tour, I was there for 10 years and technically still am, right. uh, depending on what happens with live poker. But I just think that, the, the quality of the entertainment we put out, if you track down those European poker tour TV shows, is just phenomenal, super fun. James and I, the chemistry we have, the, the money that was awarded, the stories that we told, I just think are phenomenal. So that would be my answer for my favorite thing that I've been a part of for the European continent. When I moved back to America and no one in America had seen me on television since 2009. Wow. Um, Poker Night in America offered me the chance to hop on board. I think they're in their third season, fifth, I don't remember. And I have to say, as far as things I get noticed for or reminded of are people who have watched Poker Night in America here in the States. And I just think that show's a blast. It's so much fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. The players are having a good time. There's something about cash game poker. I think that, you know, it, it's a totally different animal on TV. Well, in general, it's a totally different animal, but, you know, the TV vibe is a lot different cash game versus tournaments. So, you know, I really have to split between Poker Night in America and the European Poker Tour, two wildly different things, but two things that I think really capture the essence and the fun of European versus American poker and also 
cash game poker versus tournament poker. For sure. To- totally valid answer. And again, you've done a lot. So it makes sense that you can point to more than one thing as a, yeah. as a favorite. It totally makes sense. Um, well, we are, uh, I-, I know that you've done a good amount of recording work in studio and uh, now you're kind of in your home studio and you've, you know, with, with the pandemic raging, uh, you've obviously kind of been almost exclusively from home this year. What has that uh, adjustment been like for you? Well, I, the adjustment has been, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's been so minimal. Really? Um, to be honest. Yeah. Like the only thing that's a little bit different is now I have to do more technical stuff, but the people at poker stars are so patient and so kind and so knowledgeable that they hold my hand through every step of the process. But like, see this background behind me yeah. and the lighting we had, we have here. It took me two seconds to turn this on. You watch me do it. Right. But the calibration of this took many, many hours. Wow. Many, many hours of people sitting in London, sitting in various parts of the UK going, okay, tweak this, tweak that, add a light, take a light away, move the background. Can it go forward or backward? So that was somewhat labor intensive for a few hours, but not much of an adjustment at all, right? Uh, The product is nearly the same. The chemistry between me and James is nearly the same. Yes, there are some technological issues that kind of F with our chemistry a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of um, delay that, you know, that this, the snapping back and forth and also the speed of online poker, that adjustment has been, um, is probably the biggest adjustment, but in the end, the essence of it is still there. Sure. And, and I, I, that's just a testament to how quickly poker stars adapted to the new landscape. They were like, look, when I was heading home uh, when the first lockdown started and I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I assume that live poker is canceled. I assume this trip's canceled. That, and they were. And Poker Stars was immediately like, here's how we're going to bring entertainment to people wow. now that we can't travel anymore. There was a plan immediately. Um, James came up with a bunch of stuff. Francine Watson came up with a bunch of stuff. I'm sorry, I can't credit the other people who, you know, the Scott Goodall, I'm sure, involved in these conversations um, and just were like, okay, we're going to pivot. And so, dude, I'm the, I've always said this. I'm the luckiest person in all of poker. I do the least amount of work and get the <laughs> most amount of attention. So all these plans were put in place. I had these, this background, I have five of these. Wow. I was having backgrounds, lights, green screens, like overnight, boom, boom, boom. We're going to figure out how to make this work and how and fast. We did EPT Retro. We did Stadium right. Series. Uh, we did W Coop. Uh, we, we just did EPT Online. So, and all of that is hundreds of hours of work of people that aren't me. Wow. So I, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of adjustment to do. Oh, there's a slight delay. Oh, online poker moves a little bit faster. Sure. Well, it's, it's uh, you know, just testament to the professionalism. You know, you can only compare it to a poker player as well. You see the end result of the table, but it's obviously a result of all the studying, all the hard work they do away from the felt. And, you know, it is, of course, a, a team effort uh, when it comes to what Poker yeah. Stars does. Uh, you mentioned uh, the live events, the travel. 
you know, so it wasn't much of an adjustment. Do you miss uh, all that travel, the live stuff? I do. Like, that was one of the few things that, like, look, everybody's got an ego. Everybody's, everyone's, like, kind of wants to be, like, what's, what's swearing on the nicest podcast in the... You can say the word swearing. Okay, got it. <laughs> Everybody wants to be king ass of F Mountain every once in a while. And my way of being like that, I was like, oh, guys, I've, I've, I'm sorry I missed your birthday. I was in Monte Carlo. I, <laughs> I would have loved – oh, my God. I can't believe – I can't believe you're having a wedding the same three weeks I'm going to be in Moscow, Estonia, and London. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to miss it. So I miss – the appearance of traveling more than I miss the traveling itself. However, like most things, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm. So I miss those tiny European toilets and I miss James waking me up at the butt crack of dawn to have breakfast with him because he hates eating alone. And I just want to sleep five extra minutes because I got off a plane four hours ago. Right. Um, and those things that were kind of annoying I, I, I miss, I, you know, I, I do miss those things. I will say that the pressure of travel is off, yeah. you know, even before things were dicey health wise for travel, it's just stressful, yeah. right? Security, boarding planes. Do I have my passport? Do I have my laptop charger? There's far fewer excuses for being late for work these days. <laughs> um, but the good news is, there's a lot less to think about. I just got to flip some lights on and I'm here. I like it. <laughs> very, very good. Well, you mentioned, of course, you had a, you know, a very long career. You've been around for quite a while. We looked at your IMDb page, Joe, and okay. it indicates <laughs> that, first of all, humble brag, you got an IMDb page. That's pretty awesome. So your first gig on a poker show, at least according to IMDb, was back in 2009-10. You were a writer for a show called Poker Tonight. It was kind of like a, a sports center style poker show. Uh, for those unfamiliar, and I have to admit, I only saw a clip or two. Can you tell us a little bit about that gig? And maybe why do you think a show like that hasn't come back and isn't a thing nowadays in 2020? I'll tell you exactly why it hasn't come back. Remind me to get to that answer, but I'll start at the beginning. Sure. So I don't know if you remember this little company called Ultimate Bet. Had a huge scandal. And they still were a company somehow. And they were like, we need to do some serious PR work. We need to do some serious damage control. And they hired a very good friend of mine named Joe Seabach to be a new pro. And Joe is going to be the guy, hey, it's different at UB now, guys. I know they messed up, but it's going to be different. Things are going to be different. And as a sign of goodwill to the poker community, they wanted to dump a bunch of money and make this TV show to promote poker. I think it was on Fox Sports on Fox Sports. And the deal was that me and Seabach and Scott Huff were supposed to be a team, the creative team behind the show, and that Huff and Seabach were going to be the anchors. Right. Well, what ended up happening was that Huff and Seabach would stroll in and read off a teleprompter once a week, and I did everything else. And they were making like three times the money I was making. Right. The executive producer was mean was really, really mean, would scream at me in front of everybody, would call me up and read me out over the phone. I'm producing an entire TV show myself, coming up with all the segments. Now, granted, people were, 
we had, you know, camera people and people I could send out to do stuff. But like, as far as conceptualizing and producing the show, I was doing it alone. It was supposed to be the three of us doing it. And Huff and Seabock were like, whatever, we're the anchors. And then he would scream at me and Huff and Seabock would show up and he'd go, boys, good morning. How are you? Let's have Uh a great show. And that was the moment I said, F being a writer. Yeah. Uh F being a writer. Because when the show was bad, I got all the blame. And when the show was good, they got all the credit. Yeah. And I was like, if I'm going to write, I'm going to be the one delivering it. And so what happened was um, I was very unhappy there. And then a little birdie was like, hey, there's this like show that they're developing at Poker Stars called The Big Game. And we'd really like to talk to you about it, but we can't if you're still doing this UB show. Mm-hmm. So I made a leap of faith, left that show in the second season, which to be perfectly honest, they might've fired me anyway, because me and the executive producer did not get along. By the way, I've never had a fight with an executive producer like the daily fights I would have with this guy. Oh, goodness. Wow. So it was not, it wasn't me, is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, gotcha. So, uh, and so, and luckily I got very lucky with the big game. Sure. Now, the reason why I think a show like that won't work and nobody's going to like this answer because the companies won't play nice with each other. UB said, we don't care if you feature a full tilt pro, a poker stars pro, a UB pro, a paradise poker pro, whatever, whoever you want to talk to. We want to put a show out there. That's just going to put poker out there for everybody. They can wear their patches. They can come. Now, some of the companies said we won't allow our people to come on the show. But the reason why you can't do a sports center type of show in poker is because any of the poker companies don't want to be associated with the other poker companies. And I think that's a shame. I I wish that there were less fighting amongst the poker companies. Um, I think that some, but Hey, maybe it's not to anyone's benefit, right? Right. Like maybe it's not necessary. Maybe it's just that, you know, poker fans would like it. It would be great if at some point there could be some sort of truce uh, between the poker companies. I would like to see that, but you know, what can you do? It's business. It's business. And I'm not a business person. I don't know why these decisions are made and it's entirely possible that it's a business. They're like, but there's, we will literally, there's no upside for us to do this. So I can't really get into the motivation behind it, but that's why you won't see a show like that. Uh, You know, there's, it would be amazing if in sports, if the Dallas Cowboys could only ever appear on Dallas Cowboys sponsored broadcasts, you know, right. it's, it's kind of that sort of thing. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, we want to make it like sports, but it's not in a lot of ways. So, yeah. it, well, you know, maybe one day. That is, that is a fair answer. It makes sense. You know, Robbie, always- you know who could do it? You could be a neutral. You could be like the neutral, like I'm the United Nations of <laughs> poker. We're going to have a neutral poker show, not sponsored by anybody or sponsored by everybody equally. <laughs> Everyone gives money to Robbie. You heard the idea here first. I like it. It sounds good. And I'm sure everyone else is also laughing because uh, maybe it would happen. You never know. Um, we mentioned the big game. Of course, we've got to talk about that a little bit. Do you have any sort of uh, stories that you haven't been sworn to secrecy not to tell any sort of interesting or, or fun stories from, from back in the day that you can I mean, I have us. a couple that have been sworn to secrecy that <laughs> I'm willing to tell at this point. 
Go for it. It's been 10 years. I think the statute okay. of limitations is lifted. So in the final episode of season two, I, I think it is, where Bobby the Bus okay. ends up being the winning lose cannon, off camera, he says... We're like, we're like, look, at the end of the show, it's, we're, Amanda's going to come out and she's going to interview you and that's where we're going like, to close the show out. And he goes, okay, but please, please don't ask me about my dead brother. It's too emotional for me. I don't want to, it's, I don't want to talk about it. Right. Show ends, Amanda comes out. She's like, are you happy? Blah, 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 blah. And a producer in her ear Ask about his dead brother. Ask about his dead brother. Ask about, ask about his dead brother. She asks about the dead brother. And he gets very emotional. And she gives him a hug. And what here's the part that nobody knows. So he she she hits his microphone when she hugs him. So he loses audio. So if you watched that show. After that, he's crying and you can hear him sobbing a little bit. You can hear a little bit of him crying. That crying is actually me in post-production. They were like, we lost his audio and we need some sound effects of Bobby crying. Can you, can you just do like a couple little whimpers? <laughs> An amazing story. You did not disappoint. That's an amazing story. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Well, the, the truth finally comes out. Um, well, you mentioned another show, of course, of, uh, you know, famous for, for doing uh, poker night in America, as well as uh, poker night live. Uh, you were an executive producer on that one. Um, what maybe you can point to a couple things that made your experience doing those shows special and, and unique. Well, Poker Night in America, what I like about them is just their vibe. They're like, we don't take this set seriously. You shouldn't take it that seriously. This is fun. Yep. Um, you know, it's a different thing, right? I'm not saying that one is right and the other is wrong. I think you can do both. Right. Um, so I like that about Poker Night Live. Poker Night in America. Poker Night Live is the same production team, the same creator, Todd Anderson. Mm -hmm. And Poker Night Live, Todd was just like, I want to do a show where uh, celebrities play poker with you live. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Of course I want to do it. Yep. Uh, I, I begged him not to do it live uh, because I thought it would be slightly better edited down. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when they redid the show, they did another version of it without me uh, later on. They, they edited it. Um, but, you know, that, that was one of the best experiences of my life. Super fun. Um, I think that the fun I was having didn't always translate to the screen. Okay. Because of the nature of having six people at a poker table on live TV and sometimes two or three different conversations. Sure. Um, catching that, you know, getting all that live is tough, is tough to do. So I think we missed some of that. And I think, you know, looking back on it, I just think, unfortunately, people aren't that interested in low-stakes poker. Mm. I think we played a 5-5 five, five game. Right. And, you know, some of the criticism we got was like, am I watching a $40 pot right now? 
um, which wasn't that interesting to a lot of poker fans and understandably so. So I think I would maybe change the format slightly if I could. Obviously, you know, the heyday of poker is no longer. There was a time sure. they would give everyone $5,000 or $10,000 just to play with. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about a show that has a budget of 5,000 total, right. <laughs> um, you know, it's just harder to get people to come play at those stakes and say, Hey, we would like you to come risk your own money on a show that doesn't benefit you at all, but benefits us greatly. <laughs> um, it was a tough sell. We had to sell and we called in a lot of favors. And I think, you know, the last episode of that show is probably one of the best nights of my life. Hmm. Uh, Josh Molina. Yeah. Uh, sort of, first of all, our producer, exec, the executive producer, Johnny Kedge, the show wouldn't have been nearly as good as it was without him working tirelessly behind the scenes. And that's when I was just showing up basically one day a week uh, to do the thing. And he yeah. was doing all of the, the work behind the mm -hmm. scenes. So he had been pals with Josh, Josh Molina. Josh brought in John Hamm, wow. which was a huge, huge gap for us. Uh, a rapper named Hoodie Allen, Josh pulled in. And then Josh pulled in a fella named David Wayne, who is one of my all-time comedy idols. Cool. Um, and that episode was so fun. But here's, here's, a, here's an awful behind-the-scenes story of that. John Hamm comes to me before the show and he's like, is there any way we can start any earlier? I have a dinner after this and I'd really, and I was like, I'm so sorry. It's a live show. Right. We have to start at a certain point. So we're sitting in place. We're live in five, four, and every show would start off with a pre-taped sketch. And I pre-taped this sketch where I'm at rehearsal and everybody's names are written on their chairs. It's just me at the empty table but everyone's name is spelled wrong slightly. And I'm screaming at the crew, Josh Molina, John Hamna. I'm, I am God ham pissed about this. And they had never seen it. They hadn't seen the sketch. John Ham's laughing. Molina's laughing. Ha ha. And we start, and I'm like, do my spiel the camera. Hey, welcome poker night lap. Let's get cars in the air. And then about a minute in, they're like, stop, 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 stop. There was a problem. We have to restart. Oh, no. Oh, God. So now about 10 minutes go by. John Hamm's like, Dinner. not yeah. being rude or mean, but like I can feel I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, God, what do I do? What do I say to these people? 10 minutes go by. We do it again. They have to fake the laughter a little right. bit more this time. Blah, blah, blah. Same thing. 30 seconds into it. Sorry. Oh, no. Technical problem. We got to start. Now we do it. Now, like 20 minutes go by. They're like, we're sorry. We just want to make sure that this is fixed. We do it a third time. And at this point, I'm wrecked. Right. I'm super stressed out. I'm not myself anymore. I'm not having fun. I'm overthinking everything. And it took a while to get back into the groove yeah. of, of being myself on camera, which is one of the, one of the strengths I think I have is just being able to talk to people and communicate with them, sure. whether they're, oh, we also had a qualifier, a bank robber, a former bank robber um, who had been to jail for decades. And so wow. the, 
the actors were just as interested in this guy as he was in them. It was a really fun show, but I kind of lost some of my mojo uh, at the beginning. And then eventually John Hamm does leave to yeah. go to dinner. Yeah. Um, you know, and which it's fine. He did us a huge favor. Like he doesn't need to come to do this show sure. um, for no money. So that ended up being one of the best nights of my life, despite being very stressful. And I've become really good friends with Josh Molina since then. We, we talk almost every day. We play poker a lot together. Um, so, you know, that, that, that show, I made a lot of really great relationships and friends from and things that, uh, you know, that I've been able to bring to poker stars now. Some of those connections that I've made, uh, you know, some of the things poker stars has going on. I don't know what I'm allowed to talk about or not, but expect more celebrity stuff Yay. from poker stars in the good future. Stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Of course, Josh Molina, uh, very famous from his role in the West Wing. That's what I know him from specifically. Uh, a good dude. Um, definitely cool stories there. I mean, it's interesting, you know, when I had watched some of the episodes, it's, you know, you're sitting at the table and you're playing, but you're also kind of doing commentary simultaneously, which in a way, it's kind of like what guys are doing when they're playing online poker and streaming it on Twitch, right? But in a live yeah. setting, in a, in a kind of a weird way. Was it difficult for you to kind of like do both that were, you know, to concentrate on your play or to concentrate? I mean, like, were you just doing both at a B minus level because of that? Or, or what's the story? Yeah, see, here's the issue, Robbie, is that because the show didn't have a lot of money. It's a great question, by the way. Because the show didn't have a lot of money, part of my pay was the money on the table. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you have a vested interest in winning. Okay. Right. Winning or not losing. Right. <laughs> right? So I couldn't – so between hosting, commentating, playing, and don't forget that it's live, right? Right. So they're like, we have to go to commercial in five, four, three. So sorry, John Ham. That's a great story, but we got to take a break. Between all of those things and the fact that I knew if I folded every hand, I was going to walk out with eight or nine hundred dollars. Yep. Versus if I run some massive bluff, um, I can walk out with zero additional dollars that week. Um, that made it all very difficult. And then. And then probably giving away the keys of the castle a little bit too much. Me winning in that game is not good for the game, depending on who the player is. For sure. I want the guests happy. I don't want them getting beat by me. I don't want, like there were a few guests and I won't say who a couple of times they lost pots and I could see them become less interesting mm. television guests. And I'm like, I'm not the one that should be beating them in pots. I'm just going to like call, you know, do whatever, play very straightforward, but the rest of the time focus. So yes, I, 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 it was difficult to be a player, but that wasn't the most important thing. The most important thing was hosting. And that's where I put most of my effort. Um, like I said, I think that if I had it to do over again, there's a lot of stuff I would do differently. It's a shame. I didn't get a second crack at it. Um, but yeah, I didn't mind. There was only one huge pot I think I lost, and me and David Wayne both flopped trips, right. um, and he had me out kicked, and um, that was kind of a bummer. But I was glad, like I was like, this guy's my hero. I don't want to 
win 500 bucks off him. No one else you'd rather lose to, I guess, right? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. It's so interesting to hear the the behind the scenes parts of it because you know we we only see what we see on screen. It's cool to hear the the backstories. Well, of course, um, a lot of celebrities live out in Los Angeles. You are one of them. I know uh, that's where I was born and grew up. I lived there for almost seventeen years before I moved uh, here to Israel. Um, so you've been there what for like four or five years, something like that, right now. I've been in LA. Um, well, I moved to LA in uh, two thousand two. Right. Directly after college. Right. But and I did about to London. I did 10 years uh, in, in L.A. and then moved to London in 2013. Right. OK. Made in London for like three ish years, a little okay. over three years. Went and did a year in New York, almost a year in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came back to L.A. in 2016. So I've been okay. back in L.A. for like just about five years now. Right. And what do you like about living in L.A. so much? Well, we're going to talk about uh, BC as in before COVID. Okay. Um, because most cities have lost a lot of what they had going for them. Uh, PC, post COVID. So uh, okay. BC, um, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a part of the entertainment industry. Nice. And I know it's cliche. I know it's kind of um, lame in a lot of ways, but the movie business, the TV business, the celebrities, the writers, the directors, these people that you see and interact with on a daily basis, I love it. That's awesome. I love it. It, it inspires me. I used to live, I, I recently moved out of Hollywood. I lived in Hollywood for um, probably, uh, you know, other than when I lived in London, I lived in Hollywood for four years before London, four years after London. I lived right under the Hollywood sign. Oh, it nice. inspired me. It made me happy. I would look at it and go, this is where millions of people around the world want to be. And you're here and you get to see this every day. And I was so appreciative and so grateful. And yeah, there's a lot of douches. Yeah, there's a lot of fake people, but there's also like a lot of artists, mm-hmm. a lot of people that just want to make people smile and make people laugh and make people happy and make people feel feelings. And I loved being surrounded by those people. Um, and yeah, man, like, I'm not going to lie. I like, I like the whole celebrity thing. I think it's cool when I meet a celebrity who's familiar with my work. I'm like, it, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to me and regular people do too. But like, I'm just like, wow, man, that's cool. Like that, that stuff. So that in LA, and I think it gives LA like a certain vibe of like, we're all making make-believe here. <laughs> and so the vibe is kind of chill. It's like a pretty laid back, beautiful weather. Um, just sort of every, you know, anytime you live in a city where everyone is in the same industry, yeah. if those are your people, then you're very happy, right? Like if you're a blue collar worker, you live in Pittsburgh, right? Those are your people. You're happy to be there. Um, I don't know what what other cities, I guess, are like that. But if you live in San Fran, right? Or San Jose and you're a tech person, those are your people. You love it. You breathe in every day. You're hearing people pitch apps at coffee shops. That sort of thing about LA. I loved it. A lot of that now, I don't go to coffee shops anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't 
go to parties where what I loved about LA, it's my first year at LA. I was at a party in an apartment. I was a production assistant. And at the same party, standing, drinking, punch, and having snacks, Quentin Tarantino ah. was standing right there. Now, granted, he wasn't, it was 2003. Okay. So he wasn't the, the like real icon that he is now. Lower but case he was still, Right. Yeah. He was still a big deal. Right, exactly. Yeah. He was still big. And I liked that. I liked that, you know, there, of course there are snobs in LA and of course there are crappy people, but for the most part, people are still artists and they, you know, game recognized game. And I like that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I remember it. I wasn't part of the industry, obviously, growing up, but I do remember plenty of celebrity sightings around Beverly Hills, around Hollywood. And, you know, it's kind of just normal. Even when I go back and I'm just sitting with someone in the car, it's like, Robbie, stop the car. And like, you just see some, I don't know, reality TV stars. There's just a lot of folks there. And it's certainly, you know, I, I can understand, you know, that, that speaks to me as well. You know, just being in the Rio and Las Vegas or something like that, when you're around your people, you know, that, that's certainly uh there you go yeah thing. vegas same deal in vegas absolutely sure well pc you know post covid as you say it's uh a little kind of next to impossible at least right now uh for stand-ups to go ahead and perform on stage unless you're you know dave Chappelle, you know performing out in your barn or kevin hart performing in your living room uh you know so if you've seen the netflix special it's good stuff um so you're not one of those folks are you secretly performing in some sort of underground club somewhere? How are you sort of keeping sharp? Or is this all just about like I'm hibernating and, and writing material that I'm going to perform when this is all over? I mean, I'll say this. I'm writing very little. Okay. I don't know. I, you know, I'm at, a, I'm at a real crossroads for stand-up because I don't know mm. if, if COVID went away tomorrow, I don't know what my act would be. Okay. I, I feel like it would be incredibly hack to just only talk about COVID and quarantine, but also how do you not right. talk about the, like the biggest thing that's happened since World War II uh, you know, to the world? Uh, so I don't really know. You know, I like write, write down things here and there, but like, you know, everyone has got their jokes about what we've gone through, about, you know, being cooped up with your partner or cooped up with your kids or wiping down your groceries. And it all, it's it sort of, it, I have a hard time determining, is it hack or is it, um, what are they called? Relatable, you know? Right. I don't know. Um, I will say that I've avoided doing Zoom comedy and I don't know if that's the correct decision. Uh, I've had people like, you know, established stand-up comedians be like, no, good for you, don't do Zoom comedy. Or am I just one of those people that's failing to adapt? Hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's the right or wrong decision. Uh, I haven't done Zoom comedy. I have not done underground comedy. I, I have a, my best friend uh, does uh, staging for real estate, like furnishing homes. Yep. And so he has a big warehouse with a parking lot. Uh, I did go and like sort of survey the parking lot to see if, you know, we could do an outdoor show there. Uh-huh. And um, I just didn't pull the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, I think that COVID fatigue is a thing. Yeah, sure. I'm, you know, just, just the, like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, do Ooh. is my love of comedy worth putting up? Like, you know, what's the most people we could have? 20? 
Right. Um, you know, we want to do it very safely. So we were thinking of just having a 20 audience member show. Um, is that worth all the work it's going to take to do that, to, to decorate a parking lot, to break it all down afterward, to maybe get shut down, to maybe be accused of being irresponsible anyway. Mm. Um, and then also poker stars is keeping me really busy, uh, really, really busy. And I don't always have the energy to do both, especially when the reward of comedy is very little at this point versus the risk of not necessarily a health risk. Cause I really don't think that they're that bad. Uh, if you're mostly outside, right. you know, if you're, if you're, you know, doing, you know, you have masks on your outside, whatever. Um, but the risk of burning out, mm. you know, when we, when we do, when we you know stadium series, for example, was like 23 straight days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so do I really, after those 23 straight days, we have two weeks until the next series. Do I really want to like put together a comedy show for 20 people in the meantime? Uh, you know, it's tough to find that, that energy. And I do think that, you know, the very reason why we're having to do it that way is because of this virus. And sure. if it weren't for the virus, I would have more energy. Right. Um, right. You know, just that constant, I don't know if you felt this Robbie, but like, there've been multiple times throughout this, this eight months that I've felt ill when mm. really I shouldn't have. Um, and I'm like, do I have it? Am I, am I short of breath? Is it? And it turns out like, it's just, you know, it's anxiety. It's yeah. stress. It's, yeah. you know, it's oh, no, 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 uh, no surprise. I almost said the S word. No surprise uh, that, uh, that, you know, if I try to jog around the block, I'm out of breath. It's not COVID. <laughs> you know, I'm just been inside for seven months. Um, so, you know, I'm really sort of, I, I've been super, super lucky that poker stars has kept me so busy and has been sure. so, uh, interested in keeping content flowing for people to keep them entertained, keep them distracted because on the breaks that I've had, I haven't felt, you know, like when, when comedy, was a real attainable goal, spending that extra energy to get out there and do mics and go do shows and like burn the candle at both ends made sense to me, but it makes a little bit less sense now when I don't know what the end game is sure. for comedy at this point where I can just devote my energy to being the best poker commentator I can be and that I can at least see the fruits of the labor. For sure. I, I, it makes sense. It's a sort of mixed metaphors a little bit. I, I understand, you know, like when you're in the eye of the hurricane, it's difficult to sort of see past that storm. But, you know, here's the mix is, you know, the bears eventually do come out of hibernation and, uh, you know, Let's spring will so. come again. So I do. I do hope so. And uh, I do hope to see you and, and hear of you being on stage again. Um, we mentioned Norm Macdonald, of course, and you become uh, quite close with him. Uh, a couple of things. I remember the last time you and I did an interview was actually in the Bahamas, I think the night of or the night before you two shared a stage uh, and performed. So a uh, two-part question here is, one, how did you two first get to meet each other? And you know, now post that performance, having had that experience, what was it like to, to share the stage with him? Yeah, me and Norm. Uh, so the, uh, we met in Las Vegas, a couple summers ago, um, Eric Danis tweeted that he had seen Norm. I think I was working at the World Series at the time. It was right before they <laughs> got rid of me. Um, and 
Eric Danis tweeted that he'd seen Norman. I'm like, oh, so jealous. He's like, I think there's still tickets for tomorrow night's show. Okay. And I bought like eight tickets and invited some of my friends. And one of my stand-up friends from LA drove out uh, to Vegas for the night. And we just happened to be outside the theater, futzing around, trying to figure out what we were going to do after. Oh, I want to get something to eat. Oh, I want to go to this club. I want to go play poker. And Norm comes out of the theater. Uh, Norm and his producer, Lori Joe. And I was like, guys, Norm's way too important to me. I just got to go say hi. I don't, you know. And I went up to him and I was like, hey, we were at the show. You were awesome. I don't know if you know me or not. I know you like poker. And he did. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And he gave me his phone number. And um, I didn't realize at the time that he doesn't drink. I, I like, was like, should I ask him to, to come have a drink? I, mm. That seems lame. I don't want to overstep. So I just left it at that. And then we ended up um, talking over Twitter DM quite a bit uh, for the rest of that summer. Turns out he's a huge poker fan. Sure. Um, was a fan of what I've been doing for the World Series and for some of the other stuff he had done. And then after a bunch of months, he was like, I think, I think I want you to open for me on the road. Wow, that's so cool. And I, my girlfriend jumped up and down on the bed. It was one of the happiest moments of my life. So crazy. And then over the next couple of years, I opened for Norm like maybe a dozen times on the road. Um, maybe a little bit more. I don't know, whatever it was. And we had just done a couple of shows uh, right before lockdown. Norm is a guy who, you know, is also hasn't done any Zoom shows or anything sure. like that. Sure. But to bring things back to poker, poker stars and poker stars home games have kept me and a lot of my friends connected okay. during, during this. And I play poker with Norm on home games four or five nights a week. That's so cool. Wow. We have, uh, yeah. And they, they I got to give credit to poker stars too that they rolled out all these great additions to home games. Um, you know, a couple of months into, into lockdown. And so we play just for pride. Sure. We have a leaderboard and I, my pride and my ego as being the only real poker person in this home game club, I play almost every single night because I can't bear the thought of not being at the top of the leaderboard, <laughs> given the poker knowledge that I have. I and I will it. tell you this, we've had three seasons. We're in the middle of our third season now. I have not won even once. And I will say this, the two absolute worst players in the game <laughs> are always at the top of the leaderboard. Just <laughs> complete monkeys. Like just, just getting there with King seven type of people. Um, and just run insanely hot and frustrate the bejesus out of me. <laughs> but so, and, but now I have to play every single day and there's no like rhyme or reason to when the games happen. It's always like, anybody want to play now? Yeah, let's play now. And I'm like, sorry, hon. I know we're having dinner right now, but I gotta, I can't miss any games. I got leaderboard points. Pride's on the line. I love she's it. She's very understanding. Because also, with home games on mobile, I can just sit at dinner and, you know, sort of half pay attention. To, to dinner or things. to the table? 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I mean, Good nothing stuff. if not splitting my attention. But yeah, so, you know, it, home games I've kept in touch. You know, I've kept in touch with Norm yeah. over, uh, over this time. Uh, Maria Ho and I yeah. have a home game. Moneymaker plays in our home game. Sure. And it's been really nice because, look, I don't know if you feel this way, but catching up with people is a drag, right? Hmm. Like, oh, we should, oh, we should catch up. We should have like a Zoom catch up. Like it feels like a chore to me. I don't like it when people check in on me. I think it's very sweet, but I don't, it feels like a chore. But if we're playing poker, that's different. You catch up organically. It's not yeah. a chore. You're checking in with each other. I know you're fine because I'm playing poker with you right. every day or once a week. So I think home games has been good for a lot. I I played something called club quarantine. Like they've had t-shirts made. Oh, I was wearing it a second ago and I got sweaty before this interview and I took it off club quarantine. I've made tons of new friends over poker stars, home games over this, uh, over this, uh, you know, in this time when, where there's, you know, it's awful. It's awful, but I think it's okay to appreciate some of the goodness that we found in it. And I've got, Probably easily 20 or 30 new friends, people I would have never met otherwise. And so poker has been like that for me my whole life. You know, you asked me earlier, do I want to be known as a comedian or as a poker commentator? And I, I really didn't want to be known as a poker guy for a long time. Poker is responsible for every good thing that's happened to me in my adult life. Like, like my friends, my job, uh, you know, just being able to travel, see the world, being able to be on television. So I, I'm really starting to embrace that. And I, I'm just, it's really nice to work for these guys yep. because they really make an effort to do things right. And to, you know, obviously the fact that I haven't had to make a decision, do I go to this live event or not? Mm, because they sure. said, we're not doing it. We're not sending you. We're doing stuff from home. We just want to keep people interested and entertain and put con- like how how lucky is that? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely awesome. Certainly, uh, some of the silver linings, and every cloud has one. And uh, you're certainly speaking to them. And a lot of what you said uh, also kind of resonates with me. I've played uh, a good few home games as well with folks in a bunch of different time zones. You know, when it's one or two o'clock in the morning for me, who's awake around here? But you know, people in Vegas are playing, you know, on the, then I'll help the home games, pokerstars.net. So certainly uh, really a lot of fun. Um, as far as real money stuff goes, you have played a little bit of live poker. Uh, we didn't just check out your IMDB, Joe. We checked out your hand and mob. <laughs> and you, and, and well, I will say you have three more caches than I do, which is to say three caches on your hand. I have mob three caches. Yes, you do. You something. Do. Okay. Something that people need to know about me and nobody ever believes this. I don't look at my IMDB page. I don't look at my Wikipedia page. I don't look at my Hendemont page. I have no idea what's on any of them. Oh, just wait. We've got one of those also on Wikipedia too for later. Um, so as far as Hend and Mob, um, you've got three career caches. And out of those three caches you have, just check in here, you have a Run It Up Reno Black Chip Bounty Final Table and a cash in a Bay 101 Shooting Star $5,200 main event to your name. That's not too shabby. So... Do you remember these events at all? Were you, uh, you know, inebriated at the time of these final tables? Uh, you, I was or, or was it wasn't like a point of pride of, of like, hey, I made it. 
No, running up is definitely like a total drunk fest. Really, really fun. <laughs> if drinking is your thing, you don't have to drink, um, but okay. it's just a fun, um, I think, you know, for the average person, you can go to run it up Reno with 1500 bucks and play two or three great tournaments, yeah, maybe more. Sure. Um, so the black chip bounty, I do remember just being, I was at the feature table, the final table for like five seconds. I think um, I, I just, <laughs> I, I, I don't really, I'm not the luckiest poker player, not very good either. So it's a deadly combination <laughs> Um, so I remember that. And of course I remember the shooting star, uh, Matt Savage asked me if I wanted to be a bounty yep. in the shooting star. And that was my first and only five K I've ever played. Uh, funny story about that is that I obviously sold action. Okay. Um, because I think when you're a shooting star, they give you a thousand dollars off. Okay. So I had to come up with $4,200. And my goal was to sell about half of the action. But I ended up selling like three quarters. Okay. Because I didn't want to say no to people. Ah. Okay. And I sold more of myself than I wanted. And it was the first time <laughs> that I got a taste of just how thin the margins are mm. for a poker player. Because the hotel room, I mean, I stayed at a janky-ass motel. I think it was like $180 a night. Okay. And so I'm paying for my flight. I'm paying for my hotel. Yeah. I'm paying for my food. I'm paying for my drinks. And then I ended up keeping like 14% of myself. <laughs> and the I didn't Texas. realize that like... Before Texas. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, man, I've given away 86% of this cash. And basically what I ended up cashing for paid for my trip. Like I profited zero. Okay. <laughs> um, pretty close to zero. I will say this is that people say like I, in the beginning of the tournament, the fact that so many people were counting on me mm. and so many people. And really this is a PR stunt for me. Yeah. Right. I want to be able to say I cast all my investors made money. Maria Ho took a big piece of me. Reiner Kempa took a big piece of me. Like people that are like good poker players and yeah. know a solid investment took, took pieces of me. And so I wanted to make them proud. I want to be able to go on my podcast and say I cash yeah. in this tournament. So in the beginning, I felt pressure. But once I cashed, I'm looking at the pay jumps and I'm like, so if I survive another five spots, I make another $1,100. But for me... That's 14% of $1,100. I don't care. I don't care about laddering up another. So I like, def I was like grinded down to like 12 big blinds and defended like eight, nine and flopped second pair and a straight draw and got it in against a guy who flopped the straight. Right. Um, and I wouldn't have done that. Sure. I don't think if I had 100% of my own action. So it's weird. People suspected that you would play more cautiously when it was other people's money, but not after I cashed. Wow. I was like, I'm going to make another $11 for everybody. <laughs> you know, all the people that, you know, I, I think it was, please don't, I don't want to get it wrong. I was on one of the staking, um, sites, okay. uh, stake Kings. Yep. And, um, 
you know, I was like, oh, everyone's going to make another $6 if I ladder up. So I just went for it. But it was a great experience. And I don't know that I would want to do it again. Okay. I probably would. But it, it's just really stressful. It stresses me out. What's the biggest you've played? The biggest event I ever played in was a $1,500 bracelet event at the World Series. Uh, but just to like illustrate the difference. So first of all, I had 30% of myself in that one. And the next biggest event I played was a $200 tournament. So, and I have, like I said, zero Hendon mob caches, but I, I did have all of myself in the $200 tournament. So I took the loss like a man, the whole, the whole. The You're whole able to play time. exactly the way you wanted to, at least. That is true. And I, and I got really close to the bubble, which was my goal. So, uh, we got <laughs> wait to get close to the bubble. Yes. Very That's close good. That's a good attainable goal. Thank you. Exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, we've got, I've got so many more things I want to ask you, Joe, but, uh, we've got to keep it a little tight. We've got, I think three more questions here and then we're going to go into the community questions from the forum stuff. Like, I feel like I could do this all day. I'm enjoying it. And I'm sure, uh, all the folks listening and watching, uh, are enjoying it as well. Um, there is a gig. Uh, I know you've been working on it this year. Uh, a new poker movie coming out, uh, hopefully next year, called The Card Counter. Uh, you have a critical role in that movie as the uh, poker consultant. Whatever you are allowed to tell us, obviously there's a bunch of like you know, NDAs and stuff like that. If there's anything you could sort of show, you know, share with us and like, you know, whet our appetites for this movie for when it comes out uh, next year, what can you let us know? Yeah, I mean, I didn't sign an NDA. I wouldn't oh, okay. spoil the movie, but... Right. Um, yeah, I was just super cool. A very good friend of mine, a producer named Lauren Mann, um, read a script written by Paul Schrader, the guy who wrote Taxi Driver, mm. Raging Bull, first reformed. Um, saw there was poker in it. Knew that she could involve me. Loved the script. Decided to produce the movie. Got me on board. I, I read the script. I made a hundred notes. Um, just saying like, hey, if you want to have an accurate poker movie, here are my notes um, thinking she would like slowly sort of siphon them uh -huh. to one of the most legendary writer directors of all time. Nope. Just forwarded him my pages of notes wow. saying like, this doesn't make any sense. No one would ever say this. This is laughable. <coughs> and he wrote back and said, we got to have this guy oh, we nice. have him on set. Um, so I went to Mississippi uh, where they shot the movie. The movie is about a, uh, a former Iraq war soldier mm. who lives out his days as a small time tournament grinder. Um, I won't say much more than that. Sure. Uh, they shot in Mississippi. I was there for uh, filming. It got shut down for COVID with three days left to go. Oh no. Oh my God. It was the first movie that went back into production when there was that brief window Okay. Where things open back up again. They finished it. Nice. Uh, I've seen a cut of the movie. Uh, the director showed me a cut via technology. Yep. Uh, I think it's excellent. I think that as far as, now, there was a lot of pressure on me because um, I was one of the only people on set that could just walk up to the director oh, and wow. be like, hey, this doesn't work or this does work or. Um, and it's crazy when you're, you have to stop a multi-million dollar production and say, <laughs> guys, you have to do this again. Or I honestly wouldn't say you have to do it again. I'd say, this like wasn't cut. right. 
<laughs> exactly. Cut. <laughs> um, this wasn't right. Here's what would be right. Up to you whether you want to fix it or not. Mm. But this is my job. Okay. And most of the time they did. Most of the time they did. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and look, I think that it, the movie, it's not a poker movie. Okay. There is lots of poker in it. Um, but it's not like a lucky you or, you know, something like that where the, the story really hinges sure. on the poker. Um, it's much deeper than that. It's much more of a character study, but I, I think it's going to be great. Uh, it, it will come. The movie sold to distributors immediately. Yay. That's good. Um, yeah. So it's already in the books. It's as far as release date, there isn't one yet, but I think they're going to hold on to it till next year. Cause they think there's going to be like a vacuum of content right. sure. next year. Uh, so they're holding on to that, but it was an incredible experience. I got to, um, I flew to New York and spent an afternoon with Oscar Isaac in his apartment mm, nice. and just sort of went over poker with him and, um, you know, just spent the day just saying like, you know, here's more realistic. And again, it's very odd to talk to these people and go, Hey, look, you're an amazing actor right? and make the choices you want to make. But here's what real poker players do. Take it for what it's worth. Put your own spin on it. But, you know, here's how people say, no one would ever say this line. Mm -hmm. And he would come up to me. They would yell cut. And he would come up to me and be like, is that how it really happened? Blah, blah, blah. And that was my job on set uh, was, was to uh, sort of second guess <laughs> some right. of what was going on, which was uh, a great honor, but also a lot of pressure. That's so important. Like when you see, for example, an army movie or you know, a movie with soldiers, anything like that, obviously you have folks who've been in the army who've served who can act as consultants for that exact same reason. It needs to be realistic. So it, it's yeah. good to see that they hire a poker consultant to do that. Was there any at, at all? I mean, it's not like poker is a brand new game. Was there any sort of poker knowledge that the actors had, that the director had, you know, that wasn't just, you know, movie or tv based from what they've seen uh you know in james bond or something yeah well kind of like paul wrote into this script you remember at the world series a couple years ago the guy that kind of lost his mind and took his clothes off and threw sure. with the dealer sure. he, he wrote in a scene like that oh um, wow okay uh, as a fan he, you know he had picked up on that and wrote in a scene like that okay um oscar had played before uh so it wasn't starting from scratch mm -hmm. he had um you know he had a pretty good knowledge to begin with just probably hadn't played a ton in casinos you know which is a different a different thing than playing sure. at home games or of course playing on an app so um you know and, and paul as i mentioned my, when i say club quarantine paul the director plays in our weekly home game that's fantastic um i pulled him into that because you know he's an older guy he's in his 80s i think maybe wow. late 70s and you know it's staying strict and diligent uh you know for health reasons is important to him and i said hey why don't you come play our home game and um you know he's in he's in our poker stars home game he even mentioned it uh in a press junket for <laughs> for he and oscar did like a like a zoom thing for hollywood reporter uh -huh. and name drop me name drop he tried to name drop poker stars he got the name of the company wrong but uh did, <laughs> did talk about our home game 
<laughs> awesome. That's really wonderful. And of course, another great credit for the IMDb page uh, in the future. Um, last thing you did mention is the IMDb hand in mouth. We do have to cover the last question I got is on Wikipedia, Joe. All right. I know that you're from Albany, New York. Yes. You know that you're from Albany, New York. Yes. What does Wikipedia say? Wikipedia says you are a Canadian poker commentator. So do you want to reveal your hold cards to us or do you prefer to just say no comments or plead the fifth or whatever the Canadian I really don't know where this came from. I will say this. (laughs) Wikipedia at one point said I was worth $100 million. (laughs) And Norm almost stopped using me to open for him because someone sent him that and told him that I don't need the money <laughs> and was like, I don't know. He's like, if this is just like a fun hobby for you. And I was like, Nora, I'm not worth a hundred million dollars. Are you crazy? Are you nuts? I live in, I, li- I have tandem parking in my apartment. I got to ask my girlfriend to move her car when I need to go somewhere. I'm not worth a hundred. So I don't know where this Canadian thing came from. Although I'll say this, it's not an insult. Uh-huh. I'm happy to be known as a Canadian. Nobody hates a Canadian. Yes. Canadians are very nice, very lovely, very tough people. And I will happily be known as Canadian, but it is, in fact, untrue. I grew up about four hours from Canada, okay. which is not super far, but the distinction of the imaginary line between Canada and the United States, I was born on the southern side of that. Gotcha. And you, of course, wearing the uh, the Fargo T-shirt, another very close to the Canadian border town, uh, I believe, in North Dakota. So Fargo cause... is where uh, Poker Night in America is filmed. Yes, I have a course. great affinity, not filmed, but the, the recordings are done there and I have a great affinity for Fargo. Of course. So we've reached the end of my questions, Joe, but of course, we always have the great questions from the Cards Chat community. We want to see what you guys out there who are watching and listening want to ask our guests. Uh, we got three questions for you today, Joe. Two of them are from Acid Burn FX. So thank you very much, Acid Burn FX, for sending these in. The first question is, how did you start with Hello, My Babies? Uh, okay, so when I worked at Mad TV, there was a writer there uh, named Stephen Craig who did a one-man show called I Am Not Mark Twain. And it was like semi-autobiographical. He was like a, himself doing Mark Twain. It was like autobiographical, funny, sad, like a monologue kind of thing. And whenever he would get really, he'd be like, Oh, my babies. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you about this point in my life, my babies. And he would keep referring to the audience as my babies. Uh And I don't think he started with hello, my babies, but he would just, my babies, my babies. And then I was doing a podcast for poker stars like in 2013, I think it was W Coop Radio. And as a joke during rehearsal, I didn't know what to say. So I'd go, hello, my babies. <laughs> and the two tech guys used to make fun of me. So they would do other rehearsals with them playing me so I wouldn't have to sit in the, behind the microphone, like, you know, testing this or that. And as their impression of me, they kept saying, hello, my babies. And so they acted like it was a catchphrase of mine before it was even a catchphrase of mine. Nice. And then I just started doing it. And I think Conan says my babies too sometimes. Um, 
So it's just kind of like a weird amalgamation of things I picked from anywhere. I can't say it's totally original, although um, I can't say I specifically stole it as a, as a greeting either. Fair enough. I, I like that there's a story behind it and it's not just something random that, that came to you uh, in a dream. So that's a I just story. ripped it off an old movie. Exactly. Uh, second question from uh, Acidburn FX: Should players be allowed to wear costumes and disguises at the poker table? This is boring. I don't really care. Like I don't. I don't have an opinion on it. Like I really don't care. Like I, I don't like to be a fence straddling douche. But like when people get mad at folks wearing hoodies and sunglasses, yeah, I get that. When people want to wear hoodies and sunglasses. Yeah, I get that. I think it would be cool if there were certain events where you can't wear those things. Okay. And certain events where you can wear whatever you want. I don't, I don't really care. Like, okay. look, people play online poker and you're totally disguised then and people still find ways to win that don't involve physical tells or yep. staring into a man's soul. I want to be able to stare down a man and not looking at the eye of Cookie Monster. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I guess there should be a line somewhere, but I don't know where that line is. It's not up for me to decide. And honestly, when somebody dresses like a complete knock at a poker table, that's uh -huh. good for me. That's right. good material for me. Like, I don't, you know, why don't we all wear uniforms? Like, like, more, like the Mormon church, just white, crisp shirts, and black pants and a little name tag, and that's it. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I like it. You don't need to be the the arbiter of uh, clothing design. I like yeah. it. Uh, the uh, last question we have is from Antonis three two one two three, who sent in this one. It's a little bit generic, so uh, he asks, oh, or she asks, um, any hilarious, laughable scenes or moments from your commentary of live poker that you can share with us? I mean, a lot of the time it's evident. Um, James, the thing about this is that James, as the consummate professional, when I do make him lose it, you will never hear it on the oh. broadcast. <laughs> You'll hear part of it, right? You'll hear like the beginning of it and the end of it. God, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there are. This is so terrible. I'm sorry, guys. I don't really remember anything off the top of my head. Like I could try to, like whatever thing I can remember is something I probably can't tell you. <laughs> That's fair. Well, but I don't. I'm sure there are ones I could tell you, but I can't, none of them are coming to me right now. It's, it's, it's tough to put you on the spot with these questions, but uh, we think what is something that made us cry laughing? Cause it happens. It's usually, it's probably something I couldn't say anyway, honestly. So I'm sorry for the last, the last question to be such a bummer of an answer. 
It's totally fair. Well, if you want, you know, Joe, hopefully you can come back and join us again here on the Cards Chat podcast in the future, and we'll get some more questions from our forum members, from our Cards Chat community. Just a reminder to everyone out there in the Cards Chat community, uh, that's what we have dedicated dedicated thread on the forums for. Uh, we announce who the guests are going to be in advance. We give you guys the chance to submit your questions, and uh, if we like them, or maybe sometimes even if we don't like them, but we think they're pretty darn amazing, uh, we put them here on the show and we put them to our guests uh, so you can basically interact with them yourselves and hear these great stories. Uh, Joe, you've told some uh, wonderful stories today. Um, before we say goodbye to you, just want to remind everyone, uh, please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes. Spread the word via your social media channels about the show if you like it. Um, anything else you want to share with the Cards Chat audience, Joe, uh, how to get in touch with you or anything else like that before we let you go? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, we got uh, Twitter. It's my preferred choice of people to harass me. That's at Stapes. Instagram, we've been a little quiet on Instagram lately, but at Instastapes, I'm starting to come out of my shell a little bit more, um, open up a little bit again, letting people see the inside of my life on Instagram. And that's about it. Facebook is, uh, let's just do, let's just do Twitter and Instagram. Those are more fun somehow. Um, I would just say, uh, keep, I guess keep your eyes on, on the Twitter uh, for we've got more broadcasts coming up. We've got another Sunday Million stream coming up a week from today. Uh, we're decided to take a little crack at doing some commentary over the last bunch of tables, like the last eight or nine tables or so of the Sunday Million. We just did one of those. Very fun. Last week, me, Hardigan, Nick Walsh. It's going to be me and Spraggy and Hardigan coming up this Monday. And we've got some fun stuff coming up for poker stars poker stars continuing to try to deliver content keep people entertained keep poker in the hearts and minds of folks who are uh, maybe just you know just needing to escape a little bit so keep your eyes peeled on my twitter for that obviously you can follow all the poker stars socials as well but that'll be the best place to catch me lots of stuff coming up between now and january lots and lots of stuff Good stuff. And I can confirm that at Stapes is certainly a fantastic follow on Twitter. I want to see those Moray Mondays come back, Joe. Me um, too. You know what? I think, <laughs> you know what? Now uh, certain weights have been lifted off of me uh -huh. um, and I, I hopefully won't need to be as serious anymore <laughs> uh, on Twitter. We'll hopefully bring it back to comedy. Nice. Very cool. Well, Joe, thank you very much. Uh, again, for joining me. And thank you, everyone else out there who's been uh, here tuned in for the last hour plus. We appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed and been entertained uh, for another episode here of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. And I go hope you guys have a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. <laughs>